Meet the Smith family. They've been saving forever and finally been able to buy a house right on the outskirts of the city. Even though their new neighborhood looks like it's in the middle of nowhere, they're still excited. But there's a few things they didn't anticipate. The main road which links the neighborhood to other major roads is just the two lane road. So the traffic is horrendous. It was built years ago for the occasional farmer or two who needed to use it once a week to look after their paddocks. So it's not paved either. To the Smith family's shock, the new school that they thought which would be opening this year has instead seen its opening delayed another year. They were told that they simply don't have enough students to run the school. Since the nearest school is a few suburbs over, the family decides that they'll just enroll in an online school for this year. Which the kids finally agree to because they think it might give them some more time to play video games. However, being in such a remote location, the internet connection is basically non-existent and phone signals cut out all the time. This makes a simple classroom Zoom call a true mission to undertake. While this is a fictional family, stories like this are common across the world in new estates, which find themselves just at the outer reaches of a city. As you might have guessed, today I'm going to be discussing urban sprawl. This is an extension of the video I made on the topic. Check it out if you want. Link is in the episode description. Alright, so before we continue, we first need to define what urban sprawl actually is. Let's enter the classroom. In a nutshell, urban sprawl is basically when you build sideways rather than upwards. And it's most apparent in countries with an abundance of land, such as the United States, Canada and Australia. However, you still see it in small countries as well, such as New Zealand, especially Auckland. There are three key characteristics of urban sprawl. Firstly is low density development. So think detached houses, i.e. standalone homes, rather than townhouses and apartments. Secondly is single use zoning. To me, this looks like a new neighborhood built with a classic shopping center smacked right in the middle, with the grocery store being the main attraction. Thirdly is a dependency on the car. With a population so small and so spread out, building infrastructure to service these people is very, very expensive. Think, instead of building one kilometer of rail track, you need to build 20 kilometers to service a population of the same size. This is why in countries like Japan and the United Kingdom, they have so many underground train stations, buses, etc. Because there is actually enough people to use them to make it worthwhile for governments to provide them. And sometimes it isn't even possible for buses to operate in a suburb because the streets are instead cul-de-sacs or courts. Now that we have a grip on what it is, let's talk about why urban sprawl may be happening. Well, it's due to low density development. Yes, I did say this before was a characteristic of urban sprawl, but it turns out it's also a driver. 
That's a cool little explanation, but what I think is more interesting to explore is why low density development may occur in the first place instead of high density development. Affordability comes into play here as well as less headache. Not in terms of the buyer's perspective, but rather the sellers, i.e. the developers. You see, fitting more people is easier when you chuck them on the fringes of the city. And here's why. It's far easier to develop on the outer fringes of the city where land is cheap to acquire. And furthermore, there's no one to object because there's no neighbors, there's no one living there anyway. Compare this to say a hip inner suburb where the developer may be reclaiming land where an old factory used to sit on to build 2000 houses, let's say. Since the area has neighbors all around, you can imagine all the noisy complaints, etc., that the existing local residents would have. Now moving on to the buyers who are driving urban sprawl. The need for a big backyard is a key factor here. For many, having their own backyard is just a non-negotiable and it's gotta be big too. They may want to put a gazebo in the back or simply want the peace of mind that in the future, if they want to put a big working shed or an additional garage or whatever, they can. This obviously puts apartments out of the question. This leads to a situation where the city's planners may see less of a need to invest in parks since green space is already taken care of with people's backyards. Compare this to residents in London, which may not have their own backyard, but with the city being 47% park slash green areas, they would argue that they've got it better. They can visit a new park for every day of the week within walking distance, instead of the most boring backyard every day, which is the one you see every day, your own backyard. Moving on from why urban sprawl may be happening, let's talk about why it's not such a great thing. One, firstly, reduce quality of infrastructure. Public transport is known to be notoriously bad in new estate areas, forcing residents to use cars or buses, which arrive once every two hours. Remember when I talked about how a driver of urban sprawl is cheaper housing? Well, yeah, who's gonna say no to that? But there's no such thing as a free lunch. This is because this so-called cheaper housing ignores the huge cost of building infrastructure to support this. So yeah, it's cheaper for developers, but the cost is externalized to the public who need to build the infrastructure to make it livable. Next, to fuel low density development, you need a lot of land. Guess what else needs a lot of land? Farming. Issue is that when new estates are being built on the fringes of a city, farmland settlement becomes a lot more valuable for residential use rather than producing food. So farmers cash in and we lose valuable cultivatable land. Next, 
reduced quality of life. Why? Because new areas tend to be designed for cars, not people. The classic example of this is a highway strip with shops on either side. Let's say a speed limit of 50 miles per hour, i.e. 80 kilometers per hour. Now in this situation, walking to the shops doesn't sound that fun because you would need to be on full alert the entire time of not being run over. Well, let's say, you know, you don't really care about that. Let's say the danger doesn't phase you. Okay, what about the stoplights? Just crossing a highway using walking traffic signals takes ages because the system has been designed to move car traffic, not pedestrian traffic. Okay, so that sounds a bit gloomy. What are the alternatives? Well, let me tell you. Enter Seoul, the main city of South Korea, which avoided urban sprawl. The mayor removed a eight lane highway in the middle of the city and was quoted saying, Seoul is for people, not cars. The result of this was less traffic as more turned to public transport and there were other effects as well, like a reduction in the temperature of the inner city and a dramatic increase in tourists. But you might be wondering how does removing a freeway help with urban sprawl? Well, when you make a city less centered around the car, then people don't tend to consider moving out uh, to the fringes of the city, but rather want to stay closer because all the amenities are available in the city and are within walking distance. Another example is Montreal. Unlike other Canadian cities which follow the American city model of low density, Montreal being an old city built mainly before cars were around went with more higher density. The result is that everything is within walking distance grocery stores, shops, cafes and parks. And furthermore, out of all the Canadian cities, Montreal's public transport network is regularly touted as being the very best. All right, so let's wrap this up. We talked about how urban sprawl is building sideways rather than upwards and why it might happen. Chiefly, it's easier and cheaper to develop on the fringes of a city and people love back, big backyards. And why it might happen. Chiefly, it's easier and cheaper to develop on the fringes of city, and people love big backyards. And we talked about why this might actually suck. Terrible roads, and terrible public transport, no food on the supermarket shelves, ah, uh, jokes. Rather, there's less food security. Non-people friendly street design. And a couple of other things as well. But we also know that there are alternatives. Seoul and Montreal are great examples. So, building outwards isn't sustainable, nor is it desirable. 
The only way is to go up rather than sideways. Thank you so much for listening. I can't say how much I appreciate it. Thank you.